Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, Haley. Good How morning, are you doing? Dan. I'm feeling sick. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm trying to keep my distance from you. Haley is not feeling well, but but you're still here. I'm here. And at this point, I'm thanking you for that. If I wake up right? tomorrow with a sore throat and a runny nose and yeah. all of those things, <laughs> I don't know you're how thankful. In advance. <laughs> yeah, how thankful I'll be. You're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore, and we've got all kinds of stuff planned. Before we get to talking about that, I just want to know how'd you weather the weather that we've had? We had a I lot thought, of snow over the last uh, yeah, little bit. A lot of snow. I love the snow, uh, but it was. I felt a little cooped up by the yeah. end of the weekend. You know. Yeah, I don't mind it except the dogs. The dogs want to go out, and then when they get out, they want to come back in. And then the minute they're in, they look out the window and think, man, that looks fun out there. Maybe if we go out, it won't be as cold or as deep. So then you let them out again. Oh, no, it's just as cold and just as deep. I want to go back in the house. And we do that over and over and over again. And then... And there's cleaning them off when they get inside, I'm sure. This is why I don't have dogs. Right, right. That, there's that. But also, when they've got to go to the bathroom... They really, really struggle when the snow's that deep (laughs) (laughs) to find a way to make it happen. It's very frustrating. So we've developed frostbite because we've been walking around the yard waiting for the dogs to go to the potty. That's not exactly true. No frostbite for me. I let the children do that. Anyway, on the show today, we're going to be in the studio with Andy Yates from Andy Yates Design. And Andy's going to be predicting the future, right? He's quite good at this. You know, we've had him out in the past talking about design trends that are forecasted for the upcoming year, and he's doing it again today. I'm very curious what he has in store for us for 2024. Yeah, Andy will go into all kinds of detail and really focus not just at paint colors, but materials and architectural trends, all kinds of things. And most importantly, at the end of that, we're going to really pin him down and get his advice for what people can do who are Right now, getting ready to choose colors and do some remodeling work around their home. Right. What What do they need to do with the trends that he's predicting and how do they work with that? So we're going to get all of that information. That's coming up right now. Let's talk about caulk. And we talked about caulk last week. Yes. And hopefully you're still back. You know, it's well, not like... helpful. I really... I, that really stuck in my head, actually. I... Ended up doing some caulking over the weekend because, because of our segment. Of our segment, I did because it was super cold. I'm feeling some drafts, and I think you know I've got caulking in the basin. Why not just seal up some of this right now? Well, look at you. I know it's pretty Way productive. To go. I felt the drafts, and I thought, man, I wish Haley was here to caulk up some of these <laughs> gaps. I sure don't feel like it. I'm watching the dog go to the bathroom on the yard and just waiting. <laughs> Well, anyway, we talked about it last week. We yeah. talked about four reasons, and there were a lot of reasons tucked within each of those that we that we highlighted, but reasons to caulk, reasons right. to use caulk around the house. It's not just for paint projects, and it's not just to make your trim look great. There's a lot of other benefits. If you missed that, you can find it at repcolite.com. Just head there and click the On the Radio tab on the homepage. And when you do that, you might as well might as well get this business out of the way. You might as well subscribe to the podcast. Yes. And that way you'll never miss an episode. Oh, man. Your life will be infinitely. Well, let's not say that. That's quite a jump. Better. It'll it be will better. be some better. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be worse. <laughs> so anyway, go and do that. You can find all of that. Now let's talk about some things you need to know to get great results when you do caulk. Right. Now there's contractors out there who caulk all the time, all day long, and they know this stuff back and forth. Right, they're pros. They do this every day. But a lot of us homeowners, we don't always do that. And so let's talk about some of the things you should know to get great results. And the first one 
is you want to caulk at the right time. Right. I think normally people have the idea in their head that they're caulking after the paint has already been applied. And really, you should be caulking after the primer has been applied and before the finished coat is on because you should be painting over any caulk that's going on trim. Right. That there way are... you're not getting any yellowing afterwards. If you're applying white caulk to white trim, ultimately they will be different colors in the future because that caulk tends to yellow over time and then... It looks really bad really quickly when that happens. You don't want that. It's a sure tip-off that you kind of messed up the order. So caulk after the primer but before your finished coats. Yep. Use the right caulk. That's another yes. thing. There's a lot of caulk out there, and it's not just one size fits all. Right. It really depends on the project. So when you're in buying that caulk, make sure you're talking to us at the counter, letting us know what you're working on, what the goals are for the project so that we can get the right caulking in your hands. All right. The third thing we want to highlight before we get to some how-to tips is you've got to let the caulk dry once you've applied it before you put your finish paint on. Unless you're using Accelerator uh, by Tower Sealants. This is a very special caulking in that you can literally paint over it while it's still wet. If you're spraying, you can paint over it immediately. If you're brushing, you just have to wait 30 minutes, which is still nothing compared to the hours you'd have to wait with other products. And what happens if you don't? Essentially, if you're painting over that caulk before it's dry with most caulking materials, you're going to have this paint film that's drying and the caulk that's drying at the same time. And what you end up with when both are completely dry is a cracked paint film because that caulk is still shrinking under the paint film. That paint is then dried while the caulk is still trying to dry and it's shrinking and causing all of these little hairline cracks in your paint surface. It's a really common failure, yeah. common problem in a paint project. And it happens to contractors. It happens to homeowners. A real easy way around that is to use Tower Sealants Accelerator or the All Pro label has Quick to Coat. They're exactly the same product. Just different label. Yeah, and both can be painted over very, very quickly after they've been applied. So there's some things to keep in mind. Now let's get in the last little bit that we've got yeah. some how-to tips to get the great results that you want. First off, when you're getting ready to caulk, keep a damp rag on hand and a small bucket of water handy. And it's going to make it a lot easier for you to tool that caulk with your fingers. Yeah, there's nothing worse than clean. having like a big glob of caulk while you're trying to make a nice smooth line. And caulk dries so fast <laughs> on does. your fingers. It's hard to get off once it's dry, and it's really hard to tool a surface when you've got that there. So yes. just keep that water handy so you can keep washing your hands and keep them clean. Next thing, snip the nozzle to the right size hole. For, for the your, project. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you're working on trim, it's just that tiny little hairline crack. So the tip of your caulking tube should really only be cut, you know, no more than an eighth inch. Uh, less than that is ideal. Yeah. Now, if you've got a great big gap that you're trying to fill, yes. then you adjust for that. Sure. But most situations, an eighth inch diameter hole for the tube, end of the tube, is going to be perfect. Right. All right. So now you're getting ready to go. You're going to want to start doing your trim with a bead of caulk along the top edge of the trim. And then once you've got that on for one section, you know, one wall perhaps, wipe that joint immediately. And right. you're, you're honestly removing much of the caulk that you just applied. And once you've done that, wrap a damp rag around your finger and go back over it and wipe it one more time. Yeah, get it and then clean. Go back and do it again. <laughs> and you're working the caulk further into the joint, right. and you're removing as much as possible from the surface. You don't want caulk on the surface. You only want it in the joint, if yes. possible. So keep doing that until you're satisfied with how it looks, and then examine the whole thing with a work light. Yeah, because there's a lot that we don't see in just normal lighting conditions. That's why work lights exist, right? It's so we can get a really fine finish. Right. And once the caulk is dry, it's really tough to get that smoothed off. So you want to catch that before it's dried in. Right. 
All right. When you're happy with how that joint looks, rinse your rag, rinse your hands off, maybe get a new rag, move on to the next wall and repeat. All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll be in the studio with Andy Gates looking ahead into the future. Yes. That's all next. Stick around. And we're back, and Haley and I are in the studio with Andy Yates from Andy Yates Design. Andy, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Good One morning. It's good to be back. Guests, probably, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we were going to pick favorites, that is. <laughs> well, thank you. Of course, Andy, if anybody else were sitting in that seat, we would, we would probably say the same say thing. The exact same thing. <laughs> but with you, we mean it. Favorite so, guest today, right? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Anyway, we just turned a new year. And Andy, we'd like to get your take. We did this last year. We sat down with you and you kind of predicted mm-hmm. what you thought was coming, you know, in design and all of that in 2023. Right. What do you think is wow. trending big in 2024? Make the big predictions, Andy. Did I make 2023 predictions last year? I think you did. Yeah. Did they come to fruition? I didn't no. go back and look to make sure, but yes, you Most were pretty of good. Them were pretty were... on track. Yeah. Okay. Well, there are multi million dollar uh, research and forecasting firms. Um, that publish information about what consumers and what certain markets will desire in the upcoming year. That's big business. So normally my influence is from those firms um, and they aggregate a lot of research around the yeah. world. So it's probably the You've same. You've got good for, sources. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm citing yeah. good sources, reputable sources. Yes. No, you did a good job last year. So yeah, we're interested where you want to go with it this year. Yeah, well, I thought it would be appropriate to first begin with talking about where we see finishes and materials trending for 2024, considering that this is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show. We are paint people. <laughs> you are paint people. You are in the business of finishing. Yeah. So um, what we've, of course, seen from you know one of our favorite partners, Benjamin Moore, for yeah. their color of the year is the color Blue Nova. Right. But from other partners, we're seeing peaches and greens and even browns. I mean, it's really been all over the map this year, I feel like. Right. In terms of hue, there's definitely a diversity. Where we see the through line in all of those is that they're they're softer muted colors. So we're kind of moving away from the boldness of 2023 and years prior. Mm-hmm. And that's actually an idea that extrapolates to all design trends. Okay. We're really still looking at bold moments. But overall, the effect for finishes is looking at everything to be softer um, and a little bit more curated. So with paint, we see those hues entering into the lexicon. And then in materials and finishes, sure. there's a huge emphasis right now on texture. So we're looking okay. at hand-applied finishes on walls, taking that paint color um, and executing it in a lime wash or a plaster. Yeah. We're seeing a lot more emphasis on wall coverings that have a lot of texture. So we're looking wallpaper. At, yeah, wallpaper is huge. Um, there's a segment of design that is interested in bold wallpaper mm-hmm. still and always will be because yeah. maximalism as a concept is here to stay. But in terms of wall coverings and um, textures on furnishings, sure, uh, fabrics, we're really looking at really nubby bouclés, um, intricate, chunky, woven. Uh, jutes and sisals back on walls. So it's really all about curating this kind of multi-layered textual envelope in the interior. Well, I feel like that goes back to the kind of softening of things, too. You don't have like these really harsh, clean, smooth surfaces where maybe it feels a little bit harder in a space when you've got all these textures that you're layering, potentially that helps soften everything as well, right? Absolutely. 
I couldn't have said it better. There's a real emphasis to um, harken back to the organic sort of vegetal feeling of the mm-hmm. 70s right now. So we see a resurgence of earthy tones that are very much based in that idea of um, vegetal colors and organic feelings and shapes of the 1970s. I feel like some people right now are cringing. I'm excited. <laughs> well, there is a, you didn't live through it. Well, exactly. Mm, yeah. Right. Yeah, those of us that that weren't there, and and it does seem to trend more toward the younger consumer, mm-hmm. so millennials, um, and Gen Z, so people kind of like in the forty and under category in design, yeah. have really pushed this trend. The sites that we have where we can connect makers with consumers, so like Etsy and others, sure. Um, there's been a huge emphasis on looking for handmade objects and objects that really have less architectural and orthogonal approach and more of an organic soft approach. And that's true in our colors and finishes as well. We see that in wall materials also where um, designers and architects are seeking to look at alternate materials. So I've started to see not only a lot more plaster and lime washing, but um, corks coming back, okay. plywood finished as a raw material. Yeah, architects talked about that. Love mm-hmm. that, they, they do. Um, and, and similar feelings in terms of what materials we're using for interior finishes. Yeah, no, that's interesting that you mentioned the plywood. We talked about that maybe middle of last year where... Yeah, finishing entire rooms right, with plywood. Exactly. Using it as a finished product, like you're saying, rather than something that's covered up because it's just a building material, ultimately. <laughs> Right. And there is something expressive about letting those materials be raw and authentic Mm -hmm. that weaves right into how design is trending for 2024 and beyond. It's really the idea of allowing that authenticism of materials show in an architectural envelope, um, especially blurring the lines, like you said, Haley, where, um, you know, walls, floors and ceilings, it's all really based on right angles. It can be very hard. Mm -hmm. The smooth, flat walls that we've seen sort of dominate a lot of minimalism. Um, While minimalism isn't going away necessarily, the way that it's being introduced now is less, but with more texture and depth. Yeah, we're really trying less to go back to with more organic things. Yeah. Exactly. Mies yeah. van der Rohe said less is more. Less is more. Minimalism, not going away. Maximalism, not going away. No. We're kind of dancing around in the middle. we got all of these things. We're in the studio with Andy Yates from Andy Yates Design talking about what you see coming in 2024. Andy, what do you want to get to next? In the context of larger aesthetic and design trends for 2024, like we mentioned, maximalism, minimalism, they're not necessarily going away. It's really all about the execution. So in the broader sense where we see interiors heading right now and in the Mm -hmm. future are for spaces that are really more comfortable and personalized kind of than ever before. There is a strong trend to remove any genericism from Mm -hmm. an interior. Well, I feel like that goes back to what you said about people looking towards places like Etsy where they're looking for these very unique handmade items that they can purchase directly from makers rather than going to a large store where they're getting the same thing that every other consumer potentially is buying at the same time. Correct. And despite the TikTok trend of dupes, um, which of course for like 
commercial reasons is necessary because everyone will always want the look for less when you die. I'm sorry, Andy. I have no idea what a dupe is. Oh, well, I do know. And I may have just tipped my hand that I might be one. But <laughs> what are you talking about? There's a bunch of listeners. They got to be with me. Come on, everybody who's with me. Say something. What, like what are you talking about? Counterfeit. Uh, yeah, talk to like, knockoff. We yeah, might knock know off. it as a knockoff. Yeah. There we go. That's yeah. language I can track with. All right, carry on with your conversation. <laughs> right. So not I'm every- here for the old people <laughs> to make sure we're all talking about yes. the same things. Yeah. Knockoffs aren't going away. Um, and the younger crowd, uh, you know, Gen Z sort of millennial crowds um, online, you can see that they're interested in um, quality. Mm-hmm. intriguing design and on the high end of course not everyone has the funds to invest in those right. pieces <laughs> so when we look at the trend kind of known as dupes it's taking that idea but looking at how you can execute it with a lower price point it's very accessible it is accessible at that yeah. price point it's good to know you you do understand um when you're purchasing at a lower price point where you compromise and of course that's usually not only Quality. in design yeah. Um, but, of course, the quality of materials right. and the cost of labor. So where is that product made? Mm-hmm. How is it made? Right. There are a lot of ethical and moral questions wrapped into that. We don't see that going away because there will always be a market yes. for less expensive items. Uh, my approach to that, though, personally, is to look for vintage and antique pieces and find a way to breathe new life into them Absolutely. because they're of a much higher quality rather than buying a new piece of furniture at low quality that looks similar to something. Well, and when we live in a place like Grand Rapids that is a furniture city, we have such good access to all of these used and vintage pieces in so many different vintage furniture stores here. I mean, we're pretty lucky when it comes to used furniture compared to the rest of the country. Yeah, that's absolutely true. We have this wonderful furniture design mecca here in West Michigan. So um, ultimately, we know the secret is out and there are many national and international eyes looking at these vintage stores and estate sales that used to be a little bit more of a a locally Mm -hmm. kept secret. Right. It's like when you go to Goodwill now, like it's all picked over already. You can't yeah. find anything good there. You used to be able to go to Goodwill and actually find good stuff. Because we talked about it on the radio. <laughs> we caused that problem, That's Andy. We apologize. <laughs> the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, you know, just <laughs> too popular for its own good, right? Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, Andy, I think we're going to take a break. Yeah. It seems like the conversation has wound down for a second, but I know, because I can see your notepad, there's a ton of other things that you want to get to. Can you wait with us over the break? Yeah, sure. All right, absolutely. We're going to be back in just a second. We'll play some commercials, do all kinds of good stuff, and then we'll be back in a minute with Andy Gates from Andy Gates Design. Stick around. And we're back. You're listening to the Repcolite Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. I'm Dan Hansen. I'm here with Haley Johnson. And actually, we're also joined by Andy Gates from Andy Gates Design. Andy, thanks for hanging with us over the break. Absolutely. Thank you to those very important sponsors for making the show possible. Yeah. Did you have a good time over the break? I mean, we lived it up. I did. I had a great time. Yeah. We were having coffee and, well, that's pretty much it. Sat here waiting for the minutes to go by till we could talk again. Now the minutes have gone by and we can talk again. We just finished last segment talking about what you see coming in terms of design and function and all of that. Where do you want to go next, Andy? 
So as we were describing what seems to be trending for 2024 and beyond, we were talking about the influence of the younger consumer and the younger market looking for more interesting organic pieces. Again, for those of us that didn't live through the 70s and much of the 80s design aesthetic, that is resurging in a pretty substantial way. Yeah. So my cabinets are going to be cool again. That's true. I better not. You wait long them. enough. I'm going to just <laughs> keep them like that. Those honey brass oak. knobs. Yeah, brass. honey oak and the... Yeah. It actually, it actually is making a comeback. Well, there we go. It is resurging in a way that's interesting. But again, when we update those kind of aesthetics for the 21st century, they tend to take on... Uh, cleaner lines or a more simple aesthetic Mm -hmm. or the juxtaposition of the two. So right now what really seems to be forecasted is that there's a lot less emphasis on mid-century design and the sort of big M modernism. Sure. And we're looking at moving it into the uh, more organic and natural elements of the 70s combined with the really hard architectural and orthogonal lines of the 1980s. And that really speaks to one of the largest trends we're seeing, which is this resurgence of glam deco design. So we have all of that geometry, Mm -hmm. um, those finishes kind of incorporated, but in a new and sort of fresh way, we're seeing those rendered in uh, kind of less glamorous materials in some instances, hmm. and, and softer, more matte finishes, things that feel a little bit less stark and machined. Sure, yeah. But one of the sense. most interesting features is that uh, a lot of individuals and designers are experimenting with how to juxtapose those two things so that the design is more dynamic and interesting. Well, it's almost like you're talking about layering time periods. You know, we talked about layering textures, but I feel like a lot of what you're talking about is layering multiple design trends over multiple decades, right? I mean, we're combining all of those and then laying it on top of our current contemporary, you know, environment. It's are we layering time in that yes. way? Yeah, that's that's a great way to phrase that, Haley. Because what we see in the home building market is that things slowed down a little bit last year. Um and kind of post COVID mm-hmm. building Single-family homes has been, while solid, in a little bit of fluctuation. So over the last few years, everyone has turned back into the home they own now. And they're sort of examining what are the architectural features that make it interesting? In what period was it built? Mm -hmm. What would it feel like if this had been sort of decorated in a contemporary sense for when it was built? Right. Um, And then we look at that with the sort of, again, trends of the 70s and 80s coming into play. So we're layering time periods. There's also a forecast for a lot of Victorian elements Mm -hmm. to make a resurgence this year. Like what kind of elements? Well, we're seeing, um, you know, spaces that are incorporating larger, more intricately carved moldings or millwork details. I have a piano leg that I bought at at an antique place. It's got a lot of... Just a leg. Just a leg. I don't have the rest Missing of the piano yet. Why just the leg? I don't know. It just you, is spoke it to me. Plan? Are you buying <laughs> yeah. it piece by piece? <laughs> yes. Right. But I think it's got, you know, it's, there's some history to it. There's some scroll work there. So I'm right in trend here right. with, a, with your other Victorian elements that are coming back. Yeah. And I love history. And I love the idea of a homeowner really taking the time and effort to search for interesting pieces that Mm -hmm. speak to them. Again, personalization of your interior is a trend that will always be popular and it will always be true. Which is literally why I have the leg, the the piano leg. It's because... It just spoke to you. Yeah, and everybody laughed at me all the way through the stores. I carried it. 
But there it is. It's, it's, I, I would have been disappointed if I'd left it. And, you know, Haley, you mentioned earlier. In fact, I do this because of Haley. You, <laughs> You're welcome. You design and, and decorate your home. You fill your space with all these really strange things that aren't meant to be design elements, really. They're yeah. very practical in a lot of ways. They're old. They're vintage. And you've got tools, all kinds of things. But that's what speaks to you. Right. And I started finding those things for me and filling my home with those. And, yeah, people come through and think I'm nuts a little bit. But it really works for me. I love it. I love that, too. I'm imagining Haley, your house is a little bit of like a, like a Cracker Barrel chic. I accurate. Mm, I wouldn't go Cracker Barrel. <laughs> I say joking. But <laughs> <laughs> I I like to think of my aesthetic as library aesthetic, oh, I love that. <laughs> and so it's very focused on the collection, but also those like low lit, you know, Tiffany lamps, like a lot of wood and different, you know darker colors and textures. Absolutely. But a reflection of you and your taste and style. And I think that's, you know, every interior should be reflective of the person that has to live there. And of course, above and beyond the aesthetics, right, of curating the arts. And again, a piano leg can Mm -hmm. be art. Anything can be art. If there's a beautiful object you want to highlight in your home, do it. Mm -hmm. I think that's fantastic. My dad is a little closer to the Cracker Barrel aesthetic. He likes to cover the walls and old signs. Okay. okay. Tools. Yep. No, I get that. Yeah, it's a little overwhelming. <laughs> I try to keep it, it's like that, but minimal, you know? Right, which I love. Like one vintage sickle mounted on the wall right. is interesting. Yeah. Several is scary. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Add the hammers to that and you really got Right, a lot of right? sharp tools. You're a mom now. You have a child. You have to be a little bit more cautious about what you have around the house. <laughs> Those lightning rods have been tucked away. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Dan, you had asked the question, and we'll circle back to that too. How does this all play into how homes are functioning now, and and where we see the blend of technology, smart homes, artificial intelligence moving into these more natural and kind of earthy analog aesthetics? And that's another interesting facet of what's happening right now. And we see that a lot in, of course, areas like kitchens and bathrooms, um, the house overall in general, but specifically in those very high-tech areas where individuals would like to have more integrated smart lighting, um, integrated appliances, Mm -hmm. integrated plumbing fixtures um, that are all smart in a way. So connectivity is really important to us in our daily lives. We see that reflected in how products are being developed for the interior as well. Hmm, that is so weird because I'm stuck on bathrooms, and we did I that. Knew I know. Be. Well, we did that whole Bluetooth <laughs> toilet episode. We did have a smart segment. toilet episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah, smart toilet beyond just Bluetooth. Yeah. <laughs> Not only is it your favorite <laughs> tunes, but also everything else. Right. Yes. What other things help me get out of that so that I can rejoin the conversation? In an adult manner. No, it's an accurate portrayal of where some fixtures are now because we see like that um, emphasis on being able to communicate with items around your home in a digital way to understand if they're malfunctioning, if they need service or repair. The robots are coming, people. <laughs> they're here. They're all here. And they're creeping into your toilet, into your faucet, into Who, your appliances. Who's creep? What? <laughs> The Was robots. that a figurative <laughs> manner figurative, of speaking? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if we had a Roomba now oh, yeah. that made its way 
right into the tank or into the bowl. <laughs> That'd so, be kind of nice. It, it might be. You know? Yeah, self self cleaning mm-hmm. appliances, self maintaining appliances. Right. Love that. Right, and that's really the key to how to integrate technology into these items. It's meant to be seamless and uninvasive and to help you, not really to hinder your day-to-day activities, your interactions with them. So, you know, my Roomba lets me know when it needs to be emptied or when there's a battery issue, when it's stuck somewhere in the house. We're seeing that now move into uh, the advancement of technology for items um, and not only that, you know, smart locks for security and right. safety, um, you know, appliances that will allow you to understand if you, you know, left the range on accidentally, mm-hmm. right? If it isn't sort of self-timed to shut down. So there's a safety factor in that as well. No, absolutely. And so you're of- seeing that as that's just continuing to blow up it get really, really popular. More and more, we're seeing more and more of that. At some point, I'm sure there's going to be this kickback where we've... Maybe it'll be too late. I know. I'm waiting for when, you know, the new generation decides that they don't want phones anymore. Yeah. And we go back to like flip phones. There has to be just, some there of that There has to be coming. something. But you right know, now. We have to rebel at some point. We're not rebelling at all. We're still embracing this new technology and the connectivity. Right. We have to embrace it. So the blend there, I think, is how you see all of that smart technology merge with the kind of, uh, as you said, Haley, the more analog aesthetic of like. Um, you know, Adobe homes, soft earthen homes, mm-hmm. things that don't feel so machined and built. And I see that as a direct reaction to the idea that our world is becoming so much more technical. Right. So, Andy, one of the things I really want to do is take a lot of what you talked about and make it really practical. And I'd like to do that in the next segment for people who are maybe getting ready to start a project coming up this year mm-hmm. or anything like that. Can you wait with us one more break? We'll get you more coffee if you need it. We'll have a lot of fun. And then on the other side of the break, we'll kind of get practical. Does that work for you? Absolutely. All right. We'll be back in just a minute with Andy Yates. Stick around. And we're back. You're listening to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, sponsored by Benjamin Moore. Dan Hansen, I'm here with Haley Johnson. And we're both here with Andy Yates. From Andy Yates Design. Andy third segment for you that means you hit the big time <laughs> that means you made it I mean, awesome. you can put that on a sign on your wall you're gonna have to make your own sign because we don't dish those out freely we've got a budget we've got to maintain anyway we're happy that you hung with us over two breaks we've been talking about what you see coming in terms of design in 2024 mm-hmm. and some of it was over my head And then I asked questions and looked really dumb. And if you missed that, you probably want to catch the show notes because, you know, catch the podcast. It was worth it. But what I'd like to do in this last segment is really get practical. You know, for people right now sitting at home, maybe they're looking at a project. I've got projects coming up for 2024. Other people have maybe a whole house they're doing or just a few rooms. We've talked about this resurgence of 70s type decor and design and colors and and a blending of all these different eras, the 70s, the 80s, the Victorian era. I mean, it's honestly mind-boggling. If I'm in a a situation where I'm looking at redoing some spaces in my home, where in the world do I start? How do I work through some of these new trends or work with some of these new trends? Well, it can be overwhelming, as you said, Dan. There's a lot of information out there to parse through. And I think the most important Um, part of any project and where I start with every project Mm -hmm. is just research. 
So I begin every project for a client with research. And I think the average homeowner can do that pretty easily with the overwhelming amount of resources that are out there. I would say when you start that research, begin with reputable sources. I've been reading El Decor, Southern Home, The Business of Home, um, other podcasts and uh, reputable home and shelter magazines that will help guide you into not only what they see as a forecasted trend or what's hot and new in design, Mm -hmm. but really, I think, helping you define your personal aesthetic. Because ultimately, if everything from, you know, 1870 to 1970 is popular again, it leaves a world of possibilities. Right. But what really matters the most is that you love what you're going to place in your home and that it works for you. I do think it should bring you joy. You yeah. should feel happy and comfortable in There's your space. There's got to be some self-reflection in exactly. that starting point. You it's, know, it's going to make you comfortable. Right. And that's so important to me as a designer that I have no ego. I don't have to live there is right. what I always say. <laughs> yeah. I live in my home, which feels like me. <laughs> and sometimes... I know that people are interested in seeing a designer's home because they think that's the aesthetic you're going to apply to everything, but it's not. And the aesthetic I would love to see everyone um, embrace in their own interiors is that it just feels like you and that it makes you happy. Whether it's an antique piano leg or a vintage (laughs) piece of farm equipment, you know, there's beauty in all of that. If there's history and a story behind something, I love that. So start to figure out what you love, what feels comfortable, and just research it. Create a Pinterest board or several. Create an old school folder where you're literally buying magazines and uh, you know sifting through ideas right. and products that you love. The next step I would say is it's a little bit daunting to try then to curate that and execute it in a cohesive way. That's mm-hmm. where a professional can definitely help you. Right. Um, you're probably interested in you know a renovation or a new build you have a team architect contractor etc where we like to layer in the artistic function of design is where you might want to hire a designer or a decorator um, to integrate all of those ideas in a cohesive way so you're layering those beautiful aesthetics on top of what you know you need spatially and functionally I love the idea that you've listed that second. You know, my first thing is the self-reflection and figuring mm-hmm. out what I like. Mm-hmm. You know, creating the boards, creating the, the vision a little bit to some extent. And then I contact somebody and now you've got something to work with. You've got materials right. to work kind with. Kind filter it down for us. <laughs> if I reach out to you first, you can still get me there. But I would imagine it's way more fun and, and way quicker, a quicker start if I've got a lot of materials or ideas or concepts to start with. It can be. I work with clients on both ends of that spectrum. Sometimes the need for me professionally to facilitate that journey and that research is really integral because it's difficult sometimes to figure out what you like. But I think if you have a a great amount of research or a, a defined point of view and you can bring that to a designer and verbalize what you know you want using visual aids, it's extremely helpful. But um, it's not necessary, is what you're saying. And sometimes yeah. I can't do it. I, some people, you're saying, just right. can't get their handle on that, and you'll help them right. yeah. get there. So those are the first two things. What's next on your list of things we should be doing? So when you've you know done your research, if you've contacted the right professional, I think also more than just 
scrolling on your phone. Mm. Get out into the real world and experience different interiors to figure out what areas do you identify with in these trends, um, especially in like hospitality. So, you know, hotels and the hospitality industry, uh, they tend to flip their design to be trendy and on point every three to five years. So you'll see a lot of those interiors are newer and fresher, and they really incorporate in the immediacy a lot of the trends we're talking about. So do um, sort of avant-garde, forward-thinking design magazines. You'll see your architectural digests and your El Decors really embrace these trends. But I think beyond seeing it on a page or looking at products mm-hmm. in you know on a website, it's so much more interesting to just go out and and look at vintage and antique stores and new retail stores for that matter. Right. Understand. Even just going to different restaurants, you know, right. downtown or something like that, where you're seeing these really well-designed interiors where you can kind of decide, oh, I like what they did there. I like this color. You know, I like this fabric. Those are some starting points, too, that you're seeing in real life and applied already. Yeah, yeah. that's way better than what I thought Andy was talking about, which was peeking in a lot of windows. <laughs> Which I I could see a lot of problems with. I'm glad you clarified because I was going to have to ask that question. Well, it's interesting. (laughs) You know, I wouldn't advocate for criminal behavior. Just go for a walk at night. Right, right, right. That's a nice interior. I'm going to check that out in the daytime sometime when they're not at home. I do. I I will confess that that is something. I'm very conscious of that while walking my dog anywhere. it's especially at night when the lights are on inside a home yeah, and you can, you can see, see it. I'm always so interested in seeing how someone has decorated, mm-hmm. but I definitely don't want to be creepy or no. in any way, of no. course. So it's a delicate balance. Um, yes. You can always ask your neighbors, you know, to be invited in to well, their I can home. Go to some restaurants. I can go to some bars, <laughs> vintage stores, and Public. stuff like that. Yeah, especially newer facilities. Yeah. Um, and get out into the real world, take photos, you know, help yourself understand that. Definitely try to think about um, integrating what you love in the investment that you have. Of course, there's always right. a budget component to every project. So it's very helpful to see that kind of pricing when you're looking at uh, what is, you know, an exquisite restored vintage piece or something new mm-hmm. from a newer vendor, maybe imported that has a similar aesthetic but sure. it's a, a better price point for you. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, blend all of that together in a way that's comfortable and distill it so that it reflects, like we said, you. As we look at all of these trends and all of these forecasts, some of which I say we can lend credence to and they're important. Others, maybe they're more about selling products or pushing an agenda for a lot of large corporations or manufacturers it still is really important that no matter what your home does reflect you your personal style and that you love it andy if our listeners want to get in touch with you want to reach out maybe get your advice on some stuff how do they best get in touch my website is andyatesdesign.com and you can find me on all of the socials on the interweb at <laughs> Andy Yates Design. perfect All right, Andy, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. All right, we're going to wrap this one up. If you want to catch it again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. Whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. I'm Dan Hansen. I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening. 